startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from startuprad.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Again, bringing you another startup interview here. This time, if you are on YouTube, watching this you can already see we are using a new tool um of course i got some feedback from you guys in the past that there is some issue with the audio quality and the audio background noises with our old tool and we'll give this new one a shot but this time i would like to welcome manuel who as you can guess is an entrepreneur this time from the rhine uh, mine area from darmstadt hey how you doing Hi, thanks. I'm fine. Thanks for having me in the podcast. Totally my pleasure. Um, we are talking because, of course, you are the founder of a startup. But first, as we usually do, let us have a little bit of a look into what you have been doing in the past. And I see you study computer sciences at the University of Darmstadt. Yeah, exactly. So that was not the first part or first start of my journey. I would say everything started for me when I was 12 in 1992. Basically, that was the year when I started to, to consider I want to become an entrepreneur. I always want to be free and independent. And I thought that the road to becoming a developer would lead me there. And then I started studying, yes turned out it was actually the case but you you did not necessarily uh start straight out as an entrepreneur even though i can see you're a member of some organizations and you've been a ted speaker tell us a little bit what brought you the entrepreneur of the year finalist uh and the ted speaker tell us a little bit about it and of course down here in the show notes there will be your ted talk one question english or german English. Awesome. Yes, of course. We link it down here. Go ahead. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, basically the TEDx talk was um, taking listeners through the journey, how I've grown my business from starting as a freelance software developer to 43 employees and then crashing it completely against the wall. <laughs> Almost. So I had huge problems, huge troubles, because I always got the huge pressure by a lack of skilled talent. It was hard, especially in the project business, to acquire new clients. Once we were lucky and we won a new client, then we need to find new talent. Otherwise, we don't have the skills and the right capacity to get all the work done. And that constant up and down and up and down in the business um, led to a huge crash. I tried a lot like offshoring and nearshoring, hiring local partners, hiring juniors, hiring other agencies. And I found that all these other businesses might provide solutions, but they lack transparency and control for what I really need. Talent, right? I hire a business. I have a manager. They manage talent in their own interest. I get some talent, but I lack transparency and control. And that led to a huge crash. And And what I understood is that you have those two ways. When you have the projects, you need the talent, then the talent is there, and then the projects are disappearing again. So that that is usually uh, the trouble with a lot of smaller project-oriented businesses. Can you tell us a little bit about 
what you learned and how you solved this problem? Mm. Yeah. So the main thing I learned is that local teams don't scale. That has nothing to do with the project business itself. I also ran another startup. We are facing or we face the same problems there. Things are getting more and more complex. Technology-driven world gets more complex. Change happens at ever-increasing speed, and it's hard to have the flexibility in the own business, in the own team, to cope with all these dynamics in the market on both sides, clients, maybe also investors, and on the talent side. And what I learned is that I limited myself since years simply by the own belief that work can only be done successfully when I'm in my own office, when I have people constantly around me so that we can um, access each other when we need each other and that we can keep up a constant communication personally. That belief led to the point that I can only hire people with 100 square kilometers around my office. And that is a huge limitation. While the world can be a whole talent pool. Yes, exactly. Plus, I, I do believe when you're working in uh, agency or project setup, you always uh, have to play, uh, you have clients who want to play around with the new toys, and then you need the right people who can actually use and code the, or develop these toys. Um, my understanding is they're computer scientists and they're the ones who can do Java, they're the ones who can do Python, and so on and so forth. So, not every developer can do everything that is usually a problem and the same holds true for example for graphics for movies for sound for whatever but i totally know where you're getting here um what what was your solution to that basically expanding the the talent pool globally yeah um I, I joined many open source communities starting from 2009, like the Drupal community, WordPress community. I was also participating on some Java events. And what I found out there is that there is a lot of talent out there globally that are having all the right skills that I need, that I desperately miss right now. It's not only about developing, right? It's also about managing UX design, DevOps, um, graphic design. All these complex parts require specific skills. And the all-rounders that do everything on an expert level, they simply don't exist. Or if they exist, they create a huge dependency. So what I did is when I joined these conferences, I talked to these people and some were freelancers. So I thought, okay, why not give it a try? Why not try start working with these people that I never met just on this exhibition and work with them remotely that started in 2012? But that was so strange that I always traveled into their country, into their city and met them for one week to learn about themselves, uh, learn about them like for a week. Because that is how I thought I can build trust. And that helped me to build trust, but that is not proof for the skills of the person. So I started working with them. I got some okay results and the most important thing, it gave me confidence that somehow it must work. I just need to figure it out because the local limitation of talent is what restricts me most. And there is a new door open because talent is available, right? There are more than 300 talent platforms out there where you can hire remote talent. The question is, why are people not taking this advantage? And the answer I found is because they mistrust. They have no idea whom to hire which skills exactly they need. They are afraid of different cultures, don't know how to lead them properly. 
time zones add a huge complexity in their belief and all the legal restrictions like GDPR make it easy to say that won't work because of GDPR, I stay where I am. So trying that over and over again, I figured out that the one simple missing piece in my business that would fix that is a digital leadership system. Sounds abstract, but what that is very concrete is a digital leadership system provides, first of all, very clear components in your business that build the system instead of just having people. That means you have properly defined role descriptions, not the abstract thing that we see on all the job portals. We need a highly passionate developer that can do management and is so blah, 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 top level bullshit. Nobody understands that. And it's not relevant for the business. You need to have the right skills with the right responsibility, with the experience you need, and you need to lead the person based on results, not based on availability. That's what we did in the office, right? Leading on results means you need to know the results that you want from a person. I'm not telling about micromanagement, telling the person what to do. I'm telling about providing leadership, meaning which direction is the business developing towards, what matters in terms of objectives, what are the key results, and then break it down to teams and roles. Once you identified the proper objective of every team, you can identify the objectives of an individual, the role, and then you can hire people that exactly fit into this role, have all the skills, like to do the job because they know what they need to do to be successful in your job. And then your business becomes a leadership system for both clients and people working with you and that brings alignment using technology to make it more efficient. And that gets you better results. That's what I found out. And then you can get results individually from long-term relationships that you might have with people working with you. Mm, I had two thoughts when you were talking. Uh, people who don't see the video recording uh, notice I've smiled and nodded quite frequently. Uh, first thing, when you... Uh, visited this remote talent in your first step uh, when you try to build trust. What was like a hidden gem, a very nice place nobody talks about that you learned about in this, tra in those travels? What I learned in these travels, you mean? That's the question. Y yeah, nice, a nice place you've seen there, uh, uh, a location you could recommend to visit at least for a uh, for city trip for a weekend yeah. uh, nobody else is aware of. Uh, I, I like I like um, the small towns and villages in Ukraine and Russia, especially. That's what fascinated me most. But it also fascinated me that it's getting 25 to minus 30 degrees at night. And if you have no idea where to go there, and if you can't even read their signs, because I don't speak the language and I don't know these signs, I lost a lot of orientation and that felt sometimes very strange. Yeah, but still exciting. It's an adventure. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of people uh, not from Europe and that are still are talking about the Americans on the Fahrenheit system. And he's talking minus 25 degrees Celsius is minus 13 degrees Fahrenheit. So freaking cold. Yeah. And second thought I had when you were talking is um, what usually happened to me in project work was that the morning and the early afternoon was pretty easy because nobody did like the decisions and all that stuff and then like um three in the afternoon four in the afternoon they hit you full full power or worth a full day of work and so 
you had to do a full day of work and you got get out to the hotel pretty late. That happened to me frequently. And so I thought, huh, I should move to a different time zone. So actually, if you really structure the work properly, um, time zones are also not really an issue unless you have a highly communicative uh, task at hand where people need to be in steady communication, even though I realize that works with some parts in Asia, India, as well as North America. Now, from from here, from Germany, not so good with uh, Pacific um, Pacific Pacific border, uh, the Pacific states in the United States, like Pacific time plus uh, Japan. But it, it works most for the world, especially if you can cut down the work into chunks that was what you're talking about right the objective the objective is this like work package and then you hand it over you send it over is that what you're talking about no no that's a different thing <laughs> that's, okay. the old, that's the old way to break down things into smaller packages and then give these packages to people so that they execute it what they own is then the work package but what I mean with leadership and result focus is let them own results, let them own real business results. For example, when we have um, when we have a customer success manager, for example, yeah, I, it's not that I attract a new client. Then we have a contract. I give it to somebody and tell them what to do, like breaking down the work packages and tell them, okay, now please do this, do this, do that, because that doesn't matter. What matters is when we talk about agency setup, for example, what matters is customer satisfaction and profitability. If your business is not profitable, either you need an investor that gives you money or your business will die. And if your clients are not satisfied, your business might be profitable in the short term, but in the long term, you will have serious issues. The same for your team. If your team is not satisfied, same problem. So let people own these KPIs. Let them own customer satisfaction. Let them own profitability and let them own team satisfaction and let them decide based on transparency in your business, radical transparency, which actions they need to take to fix these problems so that their KPIs they own are aligned with the goal. And somehow uh, the, the, the feeling in the back of my mind tingles that this is something related to flash up, right? No, that's how generally I help other businesses to remove the bottlenecks ah. everywhere. With FlashUp, we help them okay. do that, but this applies to any kind of business, I would say. Okay, and um, so you're doing some part of this work with FlashUp. Can, can we get a little bit into, I see you're still the owner of this agency, and what, what like, we've been talking about it goes up it goes down it's a lot of work it's 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 like in waves it always comes in waves and what point what event what triggered you to found a startup like adding on to your workload and what is it actually doing yeah that's exactly what you're talking about it's about the workload right when i look back in 2017 before i had the crash in 2018 I was working 10 to 14 hours every day, even at the weekend, sometimes even more. My days looked like I, I woke up in the morning. I saw messages everywhere because people were not able to do their work independently from myself. So I had to start, get stressed immediately in the morning. 
that lasts till the evening. I rarely had time to do my noon break or eat in the evening with my family. That was not the life I, I always wanted when I became an entrepreneur because I always wanted to become free and independent and live a life of self-determination and do something meaningful. But to be honest, till 2018, I didn't have that. I was just pushing people, had high dependencies on a few important clients and a few important employees. And I was always in the middle. That created huge pressure. And triggered by a crash that you can see in the TEDx talk, I figured out that I that, that all these problems are basically self-made because everyone depends on me. Means if I grow the business, I just grow my problems. The problems just get bigger because more people depend on me and I become a bigger bottleneck. So I turned that around. I turned that around and saw myself not as the boss telling everyone what to do, but as the person providing a system, I call that the digital leadership system, that brings transparency about goals and progress to everyone, provides coaching, tools, and leadership, basically, to people so that they can run the business independently from me while I just support that. That moved me out of being the bottleneck, and as a result, our revenues increased by 70%. We are heading like the four, four and a half million. And my workload reduced to only two hours per day. And that fascinated me so much because finally then I got the life as an entrepreneur that I really wanted. And I wanted to help other entrepreneurs to achieve the same. That's why I founded FlashUp. That's actually a very, very interesting point you're talking about. So that is basically the transformation when you start being from you are the startup to you have a team running the startup. That's, that is actually the transformation you're talking about. And that's something that I personally, when when I let teams like uh, more than uh, more than 30, 35 people, um, what I also found very stressful because you always have to think ahead, and then in your mind you have to break down the work and give it to different people. That that is a step not too many people are doing, and that's in my personal opinion something which also hinders a lot of not only startup but also startups to grow faster as you said there's there's like one person that is the bottleneck tell us a little bit more about for example i'm now an entrepreneur let's say i run a global top 150 tech podcast this for example and um i now hire people uh how would uh flash up help me there so what we typically do is we first ask the entrepreneur to tell us exactly where the current problems are because we don't want to build virtual teams and digital leadership if there is no problem to solve, right? Then continue as you're doing. But in case you see that you are working way too much, your business doesn't grow because you cannot win clients um, fast enough or your fixed costs are too high, that's why your cash burns down too fast, etc. So these are all typical problems. How we solve that after we analyzed the root cause is we create your business as a system. That means we create a blueprint of your business. We create a blueprint of single teams. That means we identify the most important drivers of your business, which is typically winning new clients, customer satisfaction, winning new team members, team satisfaction, and profitability. These are the key drivers of any business, right? There might be some individuals, we add them. Once we have them, we break them down into smaller units and build teams that own these KPIs. 
like still a blueprint. We are not talking about people, just this blueprint. Then we break it down into mm -hmm. roles in, to, in that team and assign proper skills, proper purpose per role and proper experiences the person needs to bring to own this role and to work in the team to deliver the result the team needs to deliver so that the business reaches its goal and delivers the results to its clients. So that's what we do. That's the overall blueprint. We start moving away the business from the business owner and build a system that you can manage instead of you being the system. That is the main goal. Based on that, we define core like processes. We build templates and checklists so that knowledge is persistent in your business and it stays persistent while you work. That means we establish structured communication instead of 10 hours meetings every day. We try to use asynchronous communication means you don't need to have a meeting if you just want a status. You can just create a bot, for example, in your Slack channel that asks people every Monday for their most important KPIs and they get reported to the team lead. You don't need a meeting for that. It just requires structured communication asynchronously. That already gets a lot of time free. It saved me like 12 hours per week because I stopped being in all the meetings. I just asked the right questions to the right people, structured communication, and do that by a bot. And then I can focus on people. That, that is a really great idea, especially given that I've spent so many, 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 many hours in my life in meetings that took nobody anywhere that I actually know what you're talking about. Especially I like the idea of automated KPI reporting. Um, that is something a lot of people should do, especially in like very tight projects like times of uh, budget times of um, men or women power um, but also of course a startup is also a project but people don't use the time properly and they run from one meeting to another of course you do have a little bit bigger workload st still bigger workload when you're setting the system up but when it wants smooth one day it's it's really really amazing it's really simple right you, you that's business. what you're talking about take the time set up a system and then right. work in the system because what what i also see is like there are like zillions of great systems out there but you actually have to fill them with life you have to live it that's the main point it's all there right? it's all available it's not about knowledge You go to Google, you Google, you go to YouTube, you, you, you search there, you get all the knowledge. The question is just the leadership to put the right knowledge at the right place for your right goals together. And the same applies for skills. All skills are available at your fingertips. You get an expert like in a week. You don't need to hire full-time employees three to six months, increase your uh, fixed costs and your risk. That's all not necessary. It just requires leadership to put all these components together. That's it. What I found very interesting when you talk about you don't have to hire full-time employees, but also a company only consisting of like the founder plus only hired guns will also not scale. Where's like the, 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 the golden cut? Can you talk a little bit about that? where you need full-time employees and where you need the specialists uh, 
personally, I think for project work, uh, for um, agencies like you run, it's, it's pretty simple because it's based on project. But the entrepreneur out there who's listening to this, can you give them at least some heuristics, some general rules on how to start deciding this? Of course. So what you described is the general belief. And the belief behind that is freelancers leave faster. Freelancers just tell what you do. Freelancers are not reliable and freelancers are more expensive. That's what I hear very often. That is a belief that might be backed by experience, but very often it's just a belief that you took over from somebody else. So how I see this, there is it, it really doesn't matter if the contract is a full employment contract or a freelance contract. From my experience, also full-time employees can leave within the first three months. And also full-time employees cannot be available. And also full-time employees have other work than the one kind of work you want them to do right now. These are all the same problems that people fear, but they think it's solved if they have a full-time employee. It's not solved. The problems are all the same. Even more, even worse, you need to utilize a full-time employee with paid work. Otherwise, you have the costs, but no revenue. That means your business makes a loss. So ignoring the type of contract you have and focusing on, again, on the leadership, on the goals you want the person to reach and the skills the person needs to be able to reach these goals. And then you can talk about other KPIs that are important, for example, availability. And it can be a huge benefit if people are living in another time zone because then you get the input once you wake up in the morning as they were productive at night. You can ensure 24-7 availability while having three different time zones with people that just shake hands when they go to bed, right? And then you have higher availability. So seeing that flexibility as a big opportunity instead of a threat is one shift in your mind that you could take. And look, I have my business is operated by only 12 employees, but over 150 freelancers in 67 countries. And no, they are not doing projects. Maybe, maybe 70 do projects. The others are my accounting team, freelancers, right? They are my HR team, freelancers. They moved my whole infrastructure into the cloud and give our clients and our team support, all freelancers. My COO that cares about all the operations is a freelancer. My marketing team are freelancers. My sales team gets supported by freelancers. It's all freelancers. We even did interior design of an office with freelancers where they hired the local construction company and even did the acceptance with a webcam. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a wrong belief. It's a false belief that you think that freelancers cannot build a business and grow and run a business. Just a question, how do you lead them? And most importantly, how do you align their interest with the interest of your business? And that is also relevant for employees, but very often ignored. That leads to conflict. I see, I see, I see. We, we've talked now such a lot about uh, everything that Flash Hub can do. I would suggest everybody who'd like to learn more, go down here in the show notes. There'll be a link to your personal LinkedIn profile to Flash Hub. And uh, people can learn more there. And of course, never forget, 
your TED talk, right? Yeah, that's where it all starts. If you want to join the drama <laughs> and see how I crashed my business, that's worth uh, looking at because you, you, I think you will learn a lot. Of course we'll do. Manuel, thank you very much. It was just a pleasure having you here. Looking forward to hear more about FlashUp. Oh, one question I forgot. Uh, how you guys are currently financed? Are you looking for external investment? Uh, not yet. Currently, we are bootstrapped and we are we have a good good growth and we can finance it by ourselves. But it might happen that at the end of the year, we are looking for um, for funding when we really want to um, yeah, scale the portal, scale the whole business. That might be relevant then. Great. Now everything is covered. Thank you very much. It was just a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was very exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.